Okay, warriors, you are listening to Unqualified Therapists. Remember, stay wild and weird. Hey, warriors, this is Amy. And I'm Sarah. We are the hosts of The Unqualified Therapist. We are not here to give you advice. We are here to tell you our stories, share your stories, and bring on the professionals from time to time. Mental health is complicated, and we know that from our personal experience. We believe in professional therapy. Both Sarah and I use that on our own healing journeys. But we also know it isn't one size fits all. The stigma surrounding mental illness can make us feel alone. We are not alone. You are not alone. And you're listening to The Unqualified Therapist Zinc. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Unqualified Therapist. We're so excited to have Dr. Katie Stewart back in with us. I wish she was in studio. I almost said in the studio. I almost, oh, I almost said in the too. office. I know. Back I'm in, in the office. office. You're right. She's, uh, yes. She's in her in office. In her office. And we're in our studio. Yes. The world is gone mad and we're all a bit lost. Everyone is sad and it's all at what cost. Don't be scared, friends. No, don't be afraid. We have some answers with our friend, Dr. Katie. We are so excited to be talking to her again about something that has plagued us uh, personally, all three of us, and mm-hmm. um, is like the plague of the Simone household. I don't know about you over at your house, Ames. It's, it's more it, It's more about uh, being stubborn and fighting it yeah. at the wrong times. <laughs> It's sleep that we're talking about, friends. Sleep. Sleep. Oh, that elusive, beautiful, gorgeous thing that I just wish. It's just out of the reach of my fingertips. And I think that the topic came up because Sarah's been struggling for so long, uh, as well as the fact that I I made the comment because I remember it really affected Scott and I realized how much it affects Mm -hmm. me with my own mental illness is that sleep is like a cure-all. It is. If you can just get good sleep, holy shit. It, and and if you and I don't mean cure cure cure. I just mean that it if you don't. Well, get we don't sleep, know. It could be right. It could the three be. of us have no idea. Maybe <laughs> right. all of our troubles just evaporate if we could get eight hours every night. Right. Right. No but if you don't sleep, it like. gets way worse. Mm-hmm. I was comparing it the other day to Randy because my husband is a snorer, and um, so. I can sleep through it if I'm already asleep, but if I wake up and he's snoring, I cannot fall back to sleep. And so I told him, (laughs) I was like giving him a really hard time about it. And I feel kind of bad about it, but not bad enough to stop. Um, (laughs) I wish you all could see Amy's face. I would never feel Uh, bad enough to stop. (laughs) But I said to him, I was like, you know, you know that episode of Modern Family when they all go to Disneyland and Gloria's wearing heels and she's miserable because she's wearing heels and she's like snapping at Jay and then he buys her slippers and she puts on the slippers and she's nice and he's like, maybe it's the shoes. Maybe if you wore comfortable shoes, you would be like nicer all the time. And I was like, maybe if I could sleep, I wouldn't be so mean. 
and I now believe he has that is to. true. <laughs> I was like, I wouldn't be so irritable. And he has to sleep in the bed now because you just bought a new mattress, I and know. that's just really cruel. I know. But you know what? If the man would wear his wear, yeah, use his machine. Mm-hmm. Okay, all things would so be better. That is exactly it. Ben was a big snorer. I would actually sleep. This was pre-baby. I'd just sleep in the other bedroom because. Yeah. And, and at one point, we made we didn't even pretend like we were going to sleep in the same bed. Right. I would get just go right in the other room. Well, he finally did a sleep study, has sleep apnea. He wears his CPAP every night, travels with it. It's now I'm, I just can't sleep. I'm the reason I can't blame him. It's, it is so helpful and he gets better sleep. Well, Randy Mm -hmm. says he gets worse sleep. So that's why he doesn't wear. Well, so my mom has a CPAP. My mother also has a CPAP, was a terrible snorer. She and I did a meditation training together. I booked the bed and breakfast where we stayed and I had the woman on the phone. I was like, listen to me. <laughs> we cannot be in the same room and I cannot be next to her if I'm going to hear anything. And this woman's like, honey, I promise this is an old house. There are brick walls between it. And I was like, no, no, no. but I understand we're sharing a bathroom. Is there any possibility I'm going to hear this woman snoring? I was like, I love her dearly, but I could smother her in her sleep if this isn't so anyway so she assures me and everything's going great well it's a heat wave and there's a transom above the door mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. still heard it but she's got her CPAP now I have slept in like a double bed with her with her CPAP on and no problems so basically everybody we can end the episode right now get a CPAP yes that's okay. it get a CPAP that's it the end mm-hmm. thanks yeah. for listening <laughs> so Scott had terrible sleep apnea. We did not sleep in the same bed for years and years and years for that reason. We had separate bedrooms and he had a machine but complained about it. And then I start dating Mike and he's like, so I have a CPAP. I was like, what the f-? I was like, how can't I like escape this? And then <laughs> I swear to you guys, I swear this is how it went down. When Scott died, I started snoring. I swear he gave oh. it to me. <laughs> he gave it to me. He's like, I'm still here. Because I tortured him for so many years and made fun of him. And Mike was like, I have to tell you something. And he shows me a recording. And I was like, oh, no, it's me. And it's really, it's really upsetting to me because I really hate it. Sleep is so important that you cannot give up on this stuff. Help us, Katie. Help us. <laughs> I, don't try, I, I feel like I'm either like the best person or the worst person to help because I have a very had a very complicated relationship with sleep. I've been a horrible sleeper, which even saying something like that just sounds terrible to me. Like I'm a horrible sleeper as if it's something I actively do or try to do my whole life. I mean, my mother, God bless her, who I've been talking about all morning would also attest to this. And it hasn't been till the last 10, 15 years that I've just kind of found ways to deal with it because it's such a huge part of our lives and it affects us so greatly that you have to come up with a way to work with it. I think maybe embrace the struggle even and just find a way to, if even if you can't sleep, can you make your waking life better. Let's talk about that. Let's dig in. So do you mean waking okay. life like during the normal hours that a normal person would be awake? Or like, are you talking about like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, fuck, <laughs> I can't both. fall back to sleep. Okay, I'm going to go with both because I think right. first 
something for me that has been so helpful that I, it is part of, so there's something called, we've talked about CBT before, cognitive behavioral therapy, but there is CBTI. So CBT for insomnia, it's brief, um, it's evidence-based. And part of it is looking at your thoughts on sleep. And I don't know if this, yeah, this would still qualify as that, but I really just kind of noticed for myself that I would try to calculate how much sleep I got and I would wake up like, oh, I probably only slept four hours. Today is going to fucking suck. And then guess what? Today would fucking suck because I already predicted at whatever point I finally got my ass out of bed that it was going to suck. But I found that if I just said, okay, time to get up, let's go. Let's see what today is like. Not a, you know, okay, let's go. It's going to be a great day, but just let's not predict that it's going to be bad. Let's just go with it and see what's going to happen. I immediately felt better. It was like there was a a little bit of a lift without, again, I am, we know I'm not about toxic positivity. There is room for all emotions. We don't need to say it's going to be a glorious day, even though you slept three and a half hours. Just let's see how today's going to go. Get up, start your morning routine. And I think routine is really important and let the day unfold versus wake up like I don't know who's a good character who's always a curmudgeon and then just take on that air that attitude and of course your day is going to be like that so that is part of the waking life but then too like you said Sarah the whole waking up in the middle of the night and oh shit now how long is it going to take and watching the clock or even like What's wrong with me? Why am I up now? That's a big one. I think so many of us like feel like failures because we can't sleep. It is a completely normal, natural human functioning, right? That we shouldn't have a hard time doing. So it's like, what the hell's wrong with me? Most people wake up through the night. There's nothing wrong with you because you wake up. I just read it, something like between one and three Americans have difficulty sleeping at least one night a week. Wow. It's, it's tons and tons of people. Yeah, and I think it's something like 70 million people report insomnia between 33 and 50%, I think that's what it is, of American adults report issues. And the reason I say those numbers is one, I just like to not be talking out of my ass continually. I like to have <laughs> things backed up. But I also think it's important to think, okay, so when you wake up, you are one of 70 million people connected by this issue. But when that happens, can it just be, okay, I'm awake. And then tap into sensation. Like I have started to look at it as, this is spontaneous meditation. I sound like such a woo-woo freak, but. <laughs> no, that's what I try to do too. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm awake. I'm gonna meditate and I'm gonna meditate mm -hmm. myself back to sleep. So that, I would say, don't even go that far, right? Just, okay. We don't have to necessarily work on getting ourselves back to sleep, like forcing it. Just, you know, the meditation I, protocol that I practice and teach is 10 steps. So I just start going through the 10 steps. And usually once I get to the part that's just noticing sensation in the body, I'm either sleeping or I'm so relaxed that I'm like, oh, okay, who cares? And yeah. we can get rest and I hesitate to say this because I don't like people thinking, oh, I can maximize that and have more <laughs> wakeful hours. I don't need sleep. You do need sleep, I promise. But we can get rest even if we don't believe we are in a deep sleep. 
So another thing we have is apparently Ben and I are a hundred years old. We have a sleep number bed that I'll be honest. I was like, eh, I don't know. I'm not going to sleep anyway. <laughs> Who the fuck cares? Like, I don't know if I really believe in all of this, but we got it. Then I got pregnant and I was very happy to have it. Then I had a C-section and I was really happy to have something, yeah. you know, that could lift my upper body. But one of the things it does is there's an app and you can see your, you know, your wakefulness, how much restful sleep you've had, how much restless sleep you've had, your heart rate, all these different things. Now, how accurate it is, I don't know, but I enjoy looking at it. And what I've found is that I usually underestimate the amount of sleep I've gotten, mm -hmm. at least according to the app. And that is actually very well supported by research. We are not good as humans at estimating our sleep. We usually think it's worse than it was. And then if you think about that, so we wake up like, ah, fuck, I only got five hours again. And then it's, oh, my day is gonna be terrible. Like, it's like such human nature yeah. to just yeah. straight believe it's worse than it was. Yeah. Like yes. That's just yes. where we go to in the easy, like, oh, that's automatically where I am. Yeah. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. So like, just notice that that's just a pattern that we have, you know, that's got to do with neural pathways. And we've done this so many times where it's okay. We have to start shifting it and just be open to like, maybe it's going to be less awful or not even awful. Maybe it's going to be tolerable. Maybe it's going to be a decent day. And I just love the idea of thinking like, I got more than, than I thought I did. So I can probably be okay. I actually had to stop wearing my Fitbit to bed because it tells me those things, like how much restful sleep and everything I got. Mm -hmm. And I would use, but I would use that as like, look, see how terrible my sleep was. Like, like proof, like validation, yeah. like it was so bad. And cause I would always get this like score of poor or like just fair <laughs> or whatever. And so I was like, see, fair. I'm not sleeping. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to wear that anymore because I, I would validate me to the point where then it would make me feel more exhausted than I'm, than I think that I would have felt yeah. if I just would have gotten up and gone about my day without knowing right. with scientific proof or whatever. Cause like yeah. you said, I don't know how accurate those things are, but <laughs> it almost doesn't like, matter because we, yeah, we see it, take it as gospel and like, wow. Yeah. Isn't it amazing though too? Like, like just the way we're talking about it, how one little thought, one intangible thing shifts everything for us. Yeah. And so changing your thinking about sleep, even if we're not actually changing our sleep, can be really, really helpful. So we all know meditation's not my thing I'm great at. <laughs> I'm going to get you someday. It's number one, actually, right now for lots of reasons. But I... <laughs> I found people reading stories to put you to bed. The stories are yeah. like about, it was like about a French bakery or something. I only heard the first mm. three seconds or three minutes, I should say of it. Um, but the way they read it, it just like, it just put me into a lull. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. back in the day before podcasts, before, you know, books on books on tape listen to me oh no I had books on tape. um in like say, the I'm full sure like I binders did. that you would open up and yeah put the tapes definitely tape deck right yes and yeah, CD, CD. Uh -huh. but before all of that um I even remember like I've had many therapists I remember the office I was sitting in and I looked at her and I was like you know who calms me down who brings me out of it like real quick it's Ira Glass <laughs> and I was like obsessed oh, with him He's American, this yeah, American, this American life. life. So I would mm -hmm. re-listen and fall asleep to him all the time because he soothes okay. me so much. But then I've moved on now to these weird 
stories that don't matter what the stories are. It's the way the people are reading them to you that it just lulls me right in. Do you dream? I dream every single night. I remember uh-huh. them mostly. It's a whole nother world that I live in. It's the mm-hmm. wildest thing, but I, I very vividly dream. And I, tr- I think I have a whole nother life. I don't know, but there's lots of things happening over there. Well, and there, there are people who do actually believe that. Like they can tell you people they've met in their dreams and there it will be continuous. And I realize we're kind of getting off topic here, but I think that's really interesting. And so what happens when we sleep or things like dreaming can affect our thoughts again about sleep and our approach to it. And so I think if you love dreaming, that can be really helpful and kind of invite sleep. If you're someone who has a lot of nightmares, then you can end up being afraid of sleep. Hmm. So that's something too. So I have both, which is very (laughs) weird. But my mom will tell you, she tells me all the time that I've had nightmares since I was a little girl. Like I -hmm. have always, and they're reoccurring. A lot of them are reoccurring. And, um, they are terrifying. I'm always being chased. I am, it's, it's always someone's, someone's after me. Once they come, it's every night then. It's just like the same thing over and over to the point that when I do wake up, I will not let myself go back to sleep because if I have to be up for a certain amount of time where I go right back into it and I get so scared, I don't want to do that. God, nightmares are the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I have nightmares pretty much nightly. And every night, mm-hmm. is it the same one? No, they're never the same. I don't have reoccurring nightmares. That's they're different nightmares. How can there be the that time. many scary things, Sarah? I don't know. And it's always with people that I know, but it's never their faces. So like, you'll be in my dream, but you don't look like you, Randy. You'll be in my dream, but he doesn't look but like you him. Know but I know that it's you and I know that it's him. There's a term for that. And I always forget it. And it's escaping me now. And it drives me nuts. But... Freud, of course, was the one yes. who coined the term to describe that process where it's my house, but it doesn't look like my house, but I know it's my yes. house or it's my friend. It's funny. I had a dream just last week where I said to Ben, I, you know, and we were in the house and it looked like our house because usually for me, it's, I know it's my house, but it doesn't look like it. It's the opposite. Yeah. It was our house and it even looked like our house. And that felt somehow novel, which was very funny. Yeah, that would be, I would be the same way. I'd be like, wait a second. (laughs) I know this place. It feels like my house and looks like my house. That's (laughs) something new. (laughs) That is wild. Yeah, I guess it's pretty common though. Um, Yeah. From what I've, I mean, from what uh, the Google machine says. (laughs) Yes, no, it is. And you know, Amy's question to you, Sarah, about is it always the same one was a really good one because there is a technique when it's a repeated nightmare. It's called image rehearsal therapy. You actually write out the narrative of the dream and then you change the ending and you actively do that every morning. And what generally happens is you start to change the nightmare. And then it goes away. You should try that because you like to write and journal things out. Yeah. So that might work for you. Yeah. This whole idea of what are we accessing in the brain or the mind even. And I think that's actually why a lot of people have a little bit of a fear of sleep. Because if we are truly asleep and resting, we are giving up control of yep. that space. And yeah. it kind of feels like anything is possible. And I, I'm smiling now because I love that idea. 
for, I, I love the idea of me actually getting sleep, um, restful sleep, but that it can be open, that there can be room for play and curiosity and exploration, but I don't have a ton of nightmares. Um, people who do, I can see how that would be as scary as something in your wakeful life because you don't have control. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced sleep paralysis. I used to, I, I didn't have nightmares, but I would have sleep paralysis. Scary as shit. I'm and sure, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine. It's so scary and they're, the terms are hypnagogic and hypnopompic. One is for when you're waking up, when you're coming out of sleep, one is when you're going into sleep. It was helpful for me to realize that and to know that it's because of things naturally happening in the body. like we do have some paralysis when we're sleeping because if we were able to move our body in like the normal wakeful way we would be acting out our dreams and that would be dangerous because we're not awake so when it would happen i would try to remind myself this is okay like you were just in this process which is also actually if you can access it so cool because it's like you have consciousness on multiple levels because in some ways you're in this dream, in this paralysis, in some ways you're, I always think of it as like above it or behind it because there is awareness of it. And while I couldn't always force anything or force myself out of it, sometimes I could, like you said, Amy, open your eyes, wake up. Other times if that couldn't happen, I'd say, okay, you know, this is just a process. Like mm. just chill, meaning the mind chill because you can't do shit in the body right now and wait for it to just kind of naturally fade. So I know the answer to this and I fail at it every time, but I'm going to just put this out there to the doctor here. Um, what are uh, good things to do before bed and things not to do before bed? Because oh. I know you're going to say no phone and I can't mm -hmm. stop myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that Yeah, it's I think problem. that's the worst one. Well, so good things, first of all, is routine. Absolutely just have a bedtime routine. It, you know, I used to say this even before I had a child. One of the first things we do with children is we try to get them on a schedule. And that includes our nighttime routine, right? But for some reason, we start to, as soon as we can, push against that and not do it. But adults should have one too. The routine should not include <laughs> your phone, particularly social media, right? Or really anything because it's the blue light, but anything that's also going to engage your mind because it's, it's too active. And before phones, it was TV. Some people I think are doing what I call screen on screen. They're on their phone or their iPad while the TV is on. And by some people, I mean Amy, based on the face she's making. Wait, well, you too, Sarah. <laughs> I don't, I, I, <laughs> be with me in this, please. I'm with you with the TV. I have the TV on and I actually set a timer and fall asleep to the TV. So that is a problem. I, I keep, wait, you have a timer that turns mm -hmm. the TV off? I do. I've, I've said to Mike, I wish we had a timer like over and over and over again. I'm we, sure you do. Turn I'm sure you do. that TV off before <laughs> you get in bed. And really it should be like an hour. What about the office? What about Frasier? They're not live, guys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to do, Katie. Well, I can't just think. How about oh a little bit of reading and just soft lighting, even something like that. Like the lights should be soft. I mean, you can do tea. You can do warm milk. I sound like the tea. oldest grandma. Oh my God. <laughs> the 
Listen, I just think it's hilarious that you and I are like, no, you can set the timer. Katie's like, no, turn it off. <laughs> That's why. I got you, boo. Katie's like, no. <laughs> I could Shoot. say, I hesitate to say, I mean, it's better than just keeping it on all night, but no. Like, I don't even like, I don't like having a TV in the bedroom. We still do, but Ben has been good that he does not have the TV on in our bedroom when I'm there. I don't know the last time that TV was on. Like even in college, the only reason I had a TV in my bedroom and keep in mind, still a shit sleeper then, wasn't great with sleep hygiene, but the only reason there was one in my room was because my roommate would watch The Sopranos in the living room with her fucking family. And then they would discuss it every night. And I just did not want to be part of this whole thing. So if I wanted to watch TV, I had to be in my room to do it. Um, I'm still processing. So what do I do? <laughs> okay, so she hates tea. Well, Amy, you just... I hate quiet. I mean, I love quiet, but I don't want to be quiet in my thoughts. That's bad. Okay, it's a bad place so to live. I often have two books going at any one time. One that's okay for before bed and one that I can use other times. So whatever you're reading before bed should be not that... I don't know if I'm going to say not that engaging, but shouldn't require that much mental energy. It shouldn't be like a psychological thriller. No. and I You mean like a little I, Colleen Hoover? I could do that before I, bed. Perfect. A light. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I like to say mm-hmm. no to psychological thriller, but I often have like one work-related book going because I'm a nerd and I love what I do. So I like to have that available. Um, but yeah, like a beach read, chick lit, whatever. And don't have all the lights on. Have just, you know, a bedside lamp, maybe a little headlight. <laughs> so you don't disturb your partners. I and do have a light that clips on the book. Yeah, a little book. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would probably be way better than the imagery of me, you know, getting ready to go spelunking with my lamp <laughs> on my forehead. Anything quiet and just focused, but not engaging the mind so much. You could do a recorded meditation, but even that, like this idea of having to do something is interesting. You know, no wonder we have such a hard time relaxing into sleep because we do have, we feel this pressure to go, go, go all the time. But if you want something to to do, once you've gotten through the rest of your process, I think something like progressive muscle relaxation is a great thing to do before bed. You can start either at your face, your head, or your feet, and you either work your way down or up, just tensing the smallest muscle group that you can identify for like five, 10, 15 seconds, and then let it go. And then just work your way through the body. I think Amy's doing it right now. Or she's doing kegels, I can't tell. Now, still now, muscle relaxation. Now, <laughs> neither, <laughs> neither people, neither. I'm, I'm contemplating um, life right now. I really, I don't know how to wrap my head around this. Progressive muscle relaxation works really well. I just I know. forget about it a lot. I know, and I, I, yeah. Maybe I should make a list of things to do and put it at my bedside because in the middle of that's the night, a great idea. I forget. Mm-hmm. Jen Hatmaker posted yesterday, which I think is so funny because we've had this interview scheduled for a while. So when she posted this, I was like, oh, we're right on like the thing with 
what Jen Hatmaker is talking about too. So she said a non-exhaustive list of things I would like to, I like to worry about in the middle of the night. And I read she that. Yeah. Listed this yes. whole yeah. thing. She's like, I woke up at, I woke up at 3.15 ish all yeah. the way and stayed up all the way until her alarm went off at 7 a.m. And I was like, that is me. Literally every night mm-hmm. I wake up between four or between three and 4.30, somewhere in that area. And I'm awake. That's it. Did I mess up my circadian rhythm somehow? Oh, that's an interesting. And then now my body is just going to do that? Like, how do I break that if right. that's the case? Well, you're not screwed. But this is actually a really common thing and something that I'm glad you're bringing up because it's really important to talk about. There's a lot of stuff going on here. So first of all, you know, when we say I was up at three and then here I was awake all the way till I got out of bed at 7 a.m., probably not true. We probably fell back to sleep and I have the Sleep IQ app to thank for that. I always love to look at it and see that I've overestimated my wakefulness. But if that is the case, the recommendation is not to stay in bed, actually. Once you've been awake for like 10 or 15 minutes, get out of bed. Go do, now we're back to Amy's favorite thing, something quiet, don't engage the mind so much, no blue light, don't have (laughs) any kind of bright light on because you do want to work your way back to a rhythm that works. And so then this actually goes into something called sleep restriction. If, and this is part of CBTI, if you are not getting enough sleep, you should actually restrict your time in bed to the amount of sleep that you're getting. And then you work your way up to more and more sleep, Hmm. right? So you never want to schedule it for less than five and a half hours. But what people will do is lay in bed for 12 hours thinking they're going to get eight. And I know we're all (laughs) been there, done that, tried it. The only time it worked for me was when I was nursing every two or three hours and we would eat, go back to sleep, et cetera. But so what you really need to do is limit your time in bed to sleeping and you start at actually the time you need to get up or the time you're generally waking up and then work your way back to as many hours as you're generally getting of restful sleep and add a half hour. So if you're getting six hours, work your way back six and a half hours from the time you need to get up. And they tell you, I think they call it a sleep diary. You track your sleep for a week or two to see about how many hours you're getting. And then you put that in. And then as you are getting more and more efficient with your time in bed, you add time on. So working your way back, you go to bed earlier and earlier until you hopefully get to somewhere between most adults need seven to nine hours. I will say I complain about my sleep, but if I can get seven solid, that's it. I'm, I'm good. If I get eight, I would say I can run a marathon, but I can't run a mile. So (laughs) I could, I could do a three hour power flow yoga class. Maybe, you know, so that, that would make more sense in my body. So another thing is if you're really, really tired, you're going to feel like you want to nap and that that's going to be good for you. Napping is absolutely going to mess up your circadian rhythm. And we right, like, I know, sorry, Sarah, I, I have a dear friend, Kathy, who like, anytime I say the word nap, I think of her and I picture her in her blankets and like Sherpas. <laughs> she second. loves to nap. You're saying naps are bad. Naps are horrendous, Amy. That's not true. 
Listen, this is just like, this is just like with depression where we say it's a mind fuck and we have to like do the opposite of the thing it wants us to do. It's the same with naps. They're actually evil for anyone like beyond school like, age. Lies! False. <laughs> I can see yeah. that though. I can see it. I can see how that would be true. It's just that it's heartbreaking to me because yeah. Okay, so Tom Papa is one of my favorite comedians and he's like he speaks to my heart when he says on stage I need a lot of sleep. Sometimes I wake up in the morning, my first thought is I don't think I can get a nap today. I don't even know if I'm tired. I don't even know if I slept last night. I haven't even opened my eyes. I know I peed five times. I don't know if I rimmed out at the end. Yes, because a yes. nap feels like better sleep. It does. Mm -hmm. And I don't do all the bullshit before. I literally like just go to sleep. It's such a good sleep. She doesn't and care. It's She's not so gonna bad for agree you. I am. You. Oh I am God. here to like burst your bubble on that one, Amy. Boing, boing, boing. All right. Damn it. I feel like okay, a horrible right. friend. <laughs> no, no. We're, we're going to make some changes and we're going to see how it affects our sleep and if it makes it better. I'm like a toddler. No, no. Because it's changing all of these things that we want to do and it takes a while. It takes like two, three, four weeks of doing all of this consistently. And something else is... So with this whole idea of sleep restriction comes um, stimulus control. We only use the bed for sleep and sex, that's it. I mean, I say that and then I'm like, well, but I like to read before I fall asleep. And maybe I'm making an excuse for myself. I think that part's okay because it's like five yeah. minutes and then I'm out. Um, but it, it, we really shouldn't be tossing and turning for 20 minutes, an hour, get up. Because what'll happen is we start to associate the bed with the frustration that goes with not being able to sleep. So keep the bed sense, a sacred yeah. place. All right, I have to ask you about this because I know I've done this and I know Amy has done it or does it currently. <laughs> um, <laughs> whatever. Can we talk about revenge bedtime procrastination? Oh, fuck yeah, that's me, <laughs> thousand percent. Oh my God, I'll admit that to everyone. Oh my God. Tell me all about it, girl. <laughs> it's basically making yourself stay awake to get back those hours that we're missing out Hell of the yeah. day. From yeah. like having, from like stressing and momming and, and yep. working and all that stuff. So it's like, all right, I'm in my sacred space. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. it's the only time I see my partner. So we get in bed and we like talk and we TikTok and then we like office and or watch our show. And yeah. you know, I mean, like, it's just, I don't know where else to do. I need a better back. Maybe I need a better couch. Yeah, we just got a better couch and I love it. it. So I do this too. And it seems like, especially on days when I'm super busy, I get in bed and I'm like, well, this can't be it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm back here again and I'm supposed to sleep now? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I didn't do anything I wanted to do. Yet. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Just do it somewhere else. There, there is no reason why you can't do those things. And it. so another thing, it's so funny. We had planned to talk about sleep. And then I got an email from the organization that I did all my meditation training uh, through. And it was like, how to debunk some myths about sleep. 
And one of them, yeah, right. One of them was that, you know, if we go to bed late, we should just sleep longer in the morning. And that's okay every once in a while, but you don't want to do that too often because it's exactly what Sarah was talking about. You're, you're throwing off your rhythms and really a consistent sleep wake is the best thing to do. So even if you're up late, get up at the same time. Yeah. You're probably going to be a little bit more tired that next day, but then go back to bed at your regular time and you'll get more restful sleep that night. But that said, if you feel like there are things you need to do before bed, do just that, do them before bed, before getting into bed and take that time that you need. Because I do think, I mean, all three of us, we're moms, we're busy. We've got a lot on our plate and we do need our time to have space for ourselves, space with our partners, space for absolutely nothing. We just shouldn't have that space be the bed. Makes sense. Okay, but then I fall asleep on the couch. Yes. And then when I wake up from that, Mm -hmm. there's no going back. Right. So I find that I cannot lie down on the couch because I will fall asleep. I must be sitting up. And if I think I'm going to fall, if you're going to fall asleep, go to bed because you'll get up and disrupt it. Life is just over now. Basically, I'm sorry, Amy, you're going to have to, either you're going to have to move in with me or I'm going to have to move in with you. I'm going to be the sleep police. (laughs) (laughs) You need to just really, yeah, I do need someone. No, Amy. Yeah. And it's like, it's the nastiest I ever get is when someone tries to wake me up from the couch and get me to go to bed. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Yeah. But it's going to disrupt that later that, sleep. Like, other parts of our life should just be better. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking too. It's like, okay, this might suck for a couple of weeks to make these changes, but that it might drastically improve the waking hours. Yeah. That's what exactly. was going through my head. I was like, okay. I think I can do this if it'll change the waking hours that much. Yeah. I think we've done harder things for less benefit. True. True story. <laughs> like making the waking hours, finding time in the waking hours to do the things that are happy. Like, you know what I mean? To mm-hmm. make you where I don't know why it just feels like that big push to the end of the day. And that's the problem is yeah. that you're just like zooming through And then you're like, okay, huh, it's my time. Well, and that's where that sleep procrastination happens. And I think the other thing is we're really nailing without just seeing it. We have to be more active about cultivating, nourishing, supportive practices in our daily lives, consistently taking care of ourselves while we are awake to take the pressure off of sleep. Not that we shouldn't still be doing everything we can to get seven to nine hours and not that we don't need it. We absolutely do. I mean, there is so much research and I was even thinking about, okay, all of the major mental health issues that we have talked about include sleep disturbance in the criteria for the disorders. This could absolutely be a chicken egg situation. So sleep is essential. And I'm not trying to minimize that at all, but by saying that if we have all of these things in our waking life and we take pressure off of sleep, maybe sleep gets easier. Yeah. It's pretty common for people to have to take mm-hmm. something to sleep. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? One thing that has been shown in research is that CBTI, if done consistently, will have the same effects 
and have longer lasting effects than prescription sleep aids, but it takes longer to get there. And people often, like I will say to people, I have said in session, there is a reason that sleep deprivation is used as a torture tactic. Mm -hmm. It is that bad. So I hear that you want to sleep and you want to sleep now. And I would never stop somebody. If a doctor has prescribed something for them, they think it's going to be helpful. It's another tool. But I would like to at least see that in conjunction with good sleep hygiene with a consistent schedule um, so that maybe we can wean off of that. Another thing is melatonin that gets tossed around all of the time. Um, some people find it very helpful. I will tell you, I've personally tried it, have not seen much benefit. And the issue with that is that melatonin is, is a supplement and supplements are not FDA regulated like medications. So we don't really know what we're getting, how much we're supposed to take, and there aren't a lot of good studies on how to use it effectively. That said, I think there are more holistic practitioners who do know. Um, you just have to be careful with that. Um, but sleep is really, really important. And it is so detrimental to not get good sleep that I'm not sure where the balance or the line is with, do we let this go on because we don't want to take a medication um, that might have some potential side effects? Because then, I, I don't know, is the long-term effect of not sleeping well worse than the side effects of this medication? Flip side is getting the better sleep in a more immediate sense better than working through all of this and having the sleep deprivation. It's something that I think we really don't know the answer to. I can speak to taking a prescription sleep medication that I would have to increase it because my body would get used to mm -hmm. it. And so then you have to increase. And so then I thought to myself, well, what's going to happen when I get to the maximum dose of this? Yeah. Right. So I stopped taking it. And also it wasn't keeping me asleep through the night. So mm -hmm. It really wasn't doing much except giving me extremely, and I'll tell you what, my nightmares have slowed since I stopped taking it too when I was taking it. Interesting. That's when I would have like the super vivid, yeah. very, like I could remember every single detail. Yeah. Nightmares. And that's a side effect of most of the prescription sleep drugs is people will have really wild, vivid dreams and sometimes in a problematic sense and also the grogginess the next day. The biggest takeaway that our list, I mean, I know what mine is. I'm going to try real hard, um, but <laughs> what takeaway for our listeners that maybe they, sh they should think about? Yes. I mean, I, I don't know that there's one, but I know that the most important thing and most helpful thing for me was just really watching how I think and talk about sleep because that is what affected how I went through my day more than every, anything and how I approach sleep. So just watch all these negative associations you have. See if you can make a change there and get off your fucking phones. Don't be on your phone <laughs> right before bed or through the night. I know how hard it is. Just don't do it. Just hear my voice saying, don't do it. No, 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 no. Don't do it. Imagine Katie with a spray bottle. Yeah, <laughs> <Right. laughs> exactly. Dog trainer. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I've heard of people keeping it in another room even yeah. and getting a real alarm clock. Oh yeah, that's probably a good idea. All right. Thank you so much, Katie, for coming on and joining us and giving us your expertise, even though it's a kick in my ass. Yes, <laughs> it's probably beneficial. <laughs> 
Yes, thank you for helping us, even though we hated everything you said. <laughs> but we're going to try it. A lot of people have with but me, guys. We love, no problem. <laughs> no, we love you so we much. We love you way more. We, yes, exactly. <laughs> thank you again, Dr. Katie Stewart. This episode was brought to you by Amy Baumgartner and Sarah Simone. The theme song and our other music is provided by Epidemic Sound. This episode was mixed, mastered, and produced by Sarah Simone. To help us keep making episodes just like this, consider supporting us on patreon.com slash unqualifiedtherapistsinc. If you have a story to share, email us at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com or reach out to us on our website, www.unqualifiedtherapists.com. Until next time, warrior, hold on. We're gonna make it. We are, we are.